After 6 a.m., good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Goldwag with um, Curry Bone uh, from the Acapella Soul CD. Benny Friedman's Bum Bum. You heard Mayane done by the Weiner Brothers. Bowie Vashalom, both by Cole Zimron. Before that, the brand new album by Baruch Levine, Banim Atem. And Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's a Friday on this January the 15th, day five in the month of Shvat, the year 5776. Tufshinai and Vav, Erev Shabbos Parshas Bo with candle lighting time at 4.33 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.33, your official candle lighting time. 35 degrees outside. We're expecting a, a pretty warm day for January. 69% humidity, winds are east at 4 miles per hour. Cloudy skies today with a high temperature of 50. Then tonight, rain with a low of 42. And tomorrow, morning showers for Shabbos with a high temperature 49 degrees. Yushalayim is at 56. We're at 35 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM, heading up to 50 degrees later on. Uh, Malcolm Homeline coming up just over an hour from now. We'll do our weekly update starting at about 7.40 Eastern time. He is in Greece. He is part of that mission that he described last week. We'll talk about that and, of course, the news of the week uh, all coming up here at JM in the AM. Great lineup on our stream all day long at jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. We'll review all of that for you coming up. I want to thank Trucker Yitz, the first person to check in on the NSN app this morning. <laughs> um, a freezing Erev Shabbos morning, he says, in the Catskills. Yeah, well, I believe that. I'm glad it's warmer down here. Rabbi Yudin coming up at 8.15, and as I said, a great lineup all day long at jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. I thank all of you for tuning into our Thursday programming all through the day yesterday. Always amazing shows. Great programming on our Thursday schedule. A lot of great comments, and it's much appreciated. JM and the AM, brand new. Shalshelis Jr. is next. Keep it at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial and around the world on the web. JMandTheAM.org, and of course, on the NSN app.
one But together we're number one One, just one But together we're number one One, just one But together we're number one One, just one But together we're number one I say Jitty, say bum We say Jitty, bitty, bim, bum, bum I say Jitty, say bum We say Jitty, bitty, bim, bum, bum Jitty, bitty, 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 bitty, bim, bum, bum
In the AM, Ben Sion Solomon and Company off of the CD entitled Dushwal Bakari Shmo with uh, Lechado D. Uh, before that one, you heard Mordechai Ben David, Shabbos with the Werdigers. Barry Weber had Lidmik Dashech, Shlaimi Gertner, and Shabbos Hayom. Eighth day was in there with Chiri Bim, and you heard the Shalshelis Jr. Uh, selection that's brand new from their CD entitled Thankful, Shalshelis Jr. Volume Number 3. That was called Uzi. J.M. in the A.M., good morning. It's a Friday on this January 15th, the 5th of Shvat. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow with candle lighting at 4.33 on this Erev Shabbos, 4.33. Malcolm Holmline will join us in the 7 o'clock hour. Weekly update coming up at about 7.40 Eastern time this morning. You could hear the whole thing at jmtheam.org. And, of course, 
on the NSN app. 35 degrees outside with 69% humidity. Winds are east at 4 miles per hour. Cloudy skies, a high temperature of 50. Then tonight, rain and a low of 42. Tomorrow morning, showers, a high temperature of 49 degrees. Yushalayim is at 56. We're at 35 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Um, we have an amazing lineup all through the days. I always say every single day, Fridays in particular are always exciting and amazing. Uh, right after JM and the AM table for two with Naomi Nachman features Ari White of Wandering Q and Shlomi and Shlomo Blaska of Royal Wines. They'll be discussing barbecue and bourbon pairing. Also joining the program will be Yitti Adler Densinger, CEO of FII Magazine. That's all coming up at nine o'clock. Naomi Nachman has that starting at 9 right after JM and the AM on jmtheam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. The Kedem presentation of the uh, Erev Shabbos Music Mix commences at 10 a.m. Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami is tomorrow night at 9. Great Jewish music, plus Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler on the Torah portion of the week. Eternal Flame with Rabbi Jacobson, Headlines with David Lichtenstein, all happening tomorrow night. And then JM Sunday with Matis features an interview with Rebetzin Chana Bracha Siegelbaum, author of The Seven Fruits of the Land of Israel with their mystical and medicinal properties, plus great music news from Israel. Morning Chizuk, the Ray Goldwasser, of course. That all happens with Matis on JM Sunday. And don't forget, Court Report is going to be brand new with Elliot Weiselberg, 7 p.m. this coming Sunday night. That all happens on the uh, on NSN, on the um, jmandtheam.org stream, and, of course, on the NSN app. So there you have it. Great lineup all through the weekend. Make sure... You are tuned in. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Galitza on the background. News from Israel is coming up. Malcolm Honeline 740 for a weekly update. Keep that in mind. Mothers of Multiples, the 18th anniversary celebration happens this coming Tuesday night. Stacy and I will be there. The topic is everything you wanted to know about raising multiples and singles, but we're afraid to ask. That happens Tuesday night, 8 p.m. at Maimonides Hall, 950 49th Street, between 9th and 10th Avenues in Brooklyn, New York. Buffet dinner will be served. There will be a gift for all attendees and free parking. It's Tuesday night beginning at 8. Information, it's Mati Atlas, M-A. TTI.atlas at yahoo.com. M-A-T-T-I.atlas at yahoo.com. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos follows next. We say Bokir Tov from JMN. מדד המחירים לצרכן ירד בחודש דצמבר בעשירית האחוז, כך מפרסמת בשעה זו הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה. כתבנו תומר ורון. בסיכום שנתי מדד המחירים לצרכן סיים ירידה של אחוז אחד, רחוק מאוד מהיעד של בנק ישראל. זו השנה השנייה ברציפות שמדד המחירים מסיים בנתונים שליליים, ופעם רביעית בלבד מאז קום המדינה. מבקר המדינה ערך היום שימוע לראש הממשלה נתניהו במסגרת פרשת מימון נסיעותיו. כתבנו ישי שנרב. מבקר המדינה, שופט בדימוס יוסף שפירא, נצפה כשהוא נכנס למשרד ראש הממשלה במטרה לערוך לנתניהו שימוע בפרשת ביביטורס. הדוח על נסיעות נתניהו בתקופתו כשר אוצר נדחה שוב ושוב כבר ארבע שנים, והוא צפוי להתפרסם במסגרת הדוח השנתי של 2016. 
דברה סימטה בתל אביב בו אירע פיגוע הירי לפני שבועיים. מתקיים בשעה זו אירוע הזדהות בהשתתפות כשלוש מאות בני אדם. כתבנו ניתאי ענבי שמע שם את ראש עיריית תל אביב רון חולדאי. העיר הזאת היא עיר שחיה כל השנה, החיים חזרו למסלולם. אנחנו גם חוגגים וגם יודעים להביע את האבל. אבל אנחנו לא נעצור ולא ניכנע לטרור, והאירוע הזה הוא בעצם אמירה, לא בית משפט השלום בחיפה שחרר למעצר בית שני תושבי ערערה החשודים שסייעו למחבל נשת מלחם. כתבנו קובי מנדל מציין כי השניים נעצרו בסוף השבוע האחרון בחשד שעזרו למחבל לחמות מכוחות הביטחון לאחר הפיגוע בתל אביב. הם אישרו במעצר בית שבעה ימים. הלך לעולמו שמואל ראדה, אביה של הנערה תאיר ראדה, זכרה לברכה. כתבנו גיא ורון. שעות לאחר שהגשים את חלומו לחנוך בית כנסת על שם ביתו תאיר, נפטר שמואל ראדה בבית החולים. הוא סבל בחודשים האחרונים ממחלה קשה, ואתמול יצא באמבולנס לכמה שעות על מנת להשתתף בטקס בקצרין. הלוואה תיארך בשעה שתיים וחצי בבית העלמין ביישובו. שר הפנים אריה דרעי הביע צער על מותו של ראדה, ואמר כי יפעל להנציח אותו בעירו קצרין. באתר בנייה בעכו נפל פועל מגג מחולה ונפצע באורח בינוני עד קשה. צוות מד"א פינה אותו כשהוא סובל מחבלות בראש ובגפיים לקבלת טיפול רפואי. כתובתנו עדה שטייף מוסרת כי על פי מעקב גל"צ נהרגו בישראל מתחילת השנה חמישה פועלים ונפצעו שלושה עשר. נשיא סין יוצא למסע דילוגים במזרח התיכון, אך לא יגיע לישראל. קרן בן מרדכי. על פי הדיווח בסוכנות הידיעות הסינית, שי ג'ינגפינג יצא ביום שלישי מסין ויבקר במצרים, סעודיה ואיראן. זאת נוכח המתיחות הרבה בין ריאד וטהרן, בעקבות הוצאתו להורג של המטיף השיעי נימר בקר הנימר. בצרפת הושפזו שישה בני אדם לאחר שהשתתפו בניסוי רפואי שכשל. נועם דהן. משרד הבריאות של צרפת הודיע כי משתתף אחד נתון בתרדמת ועוד חמישה במצב קשה לאחר שהשתתפו בניסוי שביצע מכון פרטי ברן שבצפון מערב צרפת. על פי הדיווחים הם נתנו תרופה ניסיונית לשיכוך כאבים המכילה קנאביס. לא ברור כמה משתתפים נוספים לקחו חלק בניסוי שהושבת. ומזג האוויר, מחר הטמפרטורות יעלו ויהיה נאה, בראשון תורגש התחממות נוספת. אלה החדשות שעורך עמרי רחמימוב, והצוות לירון אמיר ועידו גרינברג.
Rami Kleinstein out of Israel, who yesterday was compared to, uh, for those of us familiar with A.B. Rottenberg's music, uh, to A.B. Uh, by somebody who uh, really knows his Jewish music. Rami Kleinstein, Matanot Kanot here at JM in the AM. Before that, you heard the uh, Simcha Liner selection. It's Aisha Schail off of SL Volume Number 2. Friday morning broadcast. It's JM in the AM for January the 15th, day 5 in the month of Shvat. It's Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow. Candle lighting at 4.33 on this era of Shabbos, 4.33. Still pretty early. Uh, Malcolm Holine will join us. Weekly update is coming up here at JM in the AM. That's happening uh, 7.40 this morning. You can catch it here and on jmtheam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Bialystoker Synagogue presents Label in Motion tomorrow night. He's in concert and performance at the Orenstein Building here on the Lower East Side. Go to Bialystoker.org for reservations and information. Just click on events. You'll see it there for tomorrow night, the 16th of January. Uh, there are certain days that I uh, use the opportunity to study the laws of Chesed, Sefer Avas Chesed from the Chavetz Chaim, in memory of my mother, Esther Bas or Yosef Halevi. The Chavetz Chaim writes, Every Jew is obligated to participate in this mitzvah of extending kindliness to others, man and woman, rich and poor. He has to extend kindness to someone who is poorer than he is. Every person based on his ability, since the Torah did not specify an amount, there's no minimum amount that must be given, nor is there a maximum amount beyond which a lender need not lend. It is similar to the mitzvah of tzedakah, in which every Jew is obligated to state in Gemara Gittin and in Yeridea. So all are obligated to participate in this mitzvah of extending kindliness to others, men, women, rich, and poor. Um, when we take a look at Sefer Avas Chesed of the Chavetz Chaim, it is in memory of my mother, Esther Basar Yosef Halevi, and I thank you. J.M. in the A.M. at 16, uh, actually uh, 17 minutes after 7 o'clock on this J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning era of Shabbos. More coming up. Keep it here at J.M. in the A.M.
J.M. in the A.M., that's uh, from Inner Flame. It's eighth day, Utsu Eitsa here at J.M. in the A.M. Well, last night, had the opportunity to um, be up at Marina Del Rey with the Iron Teitelbaum Orchestra and uh, participate in the wedding of the uh, Plachik family and the Gabioff family, the Plachiks from Lawrence and the Gabioffs from Flapo. It's just an incredible celebration. I think there were more than 800 people there at Marina Del Rey, which is <laughs> just uh, packed solid. And a mazel tov going out to um, Arye and Goldie Plachik and to um, Zurich and the Dasi Gabioff of Flatbush. And, of course, the Hassan and Kala from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, about 20 pieces with the Iron Tadavam Orchestra yesterday, plus Ohad, who was just spectacular at both the chuppah and at the reception. Ohad's voice, as good as ever. And the Edidim Choir with Yanki Rolanski. And Yanki told me that they are coming out with a CD. In the next few days, the next few days, we're going to have something uh, brand new from uh, Yanki Orlansky and the Didim Choir. So we'll uh, we'll certainly let you know about that. Uh, and Yisrael Lam, of course, and the Iron Tadabam Orchestra, just an amazing and incredible celebration. And and, and we came across this last night. Uh, I should say we were introduced and familiarized with this selection. Yehuda and Ara Nagelberg with a selection entitled Bowie Kala, founded on YouTube. Here it is at JM in the AM.
with uh, Yaakov Shweki, and that's Kamu Vaneha. Eishas Chayel, done by Regesh. You heard Benny Friedman, Shalom Aleichem. Baruch Levine had Yomze in there from the brand new Bunim Atem. And Yehuda and Aaron Nagelberg with Bowie Kala, that single that was introduced to us last night at that wonderful wedding. Friday morning broadcast, it's JM and the AM on this Erev Shabbos Parsha's bow. Candle lighting at 4.33 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.33, your official Candlelighting time. Cloudy skies, high temperature of 50. We're at 35 right now. Jersey City, New Jersey. Thanks for tuning in to JM in the AM. I want to take a moment and uh, acknowledge the passing of George Neuwirth, who was, um, as many people wrote and as many people have uh, have shared on social media, the, the Hask camper for decades. And anybody who uh, ever visited Hask, had anything to do with Hask, who enjoyed the concert performances, etc., you knew George. And um, we want to take this opportunity to just remember him for a moment and uh, remind everybody the impact that everybody could have out there on people in our community and beyond. JM in the AM, I uh, want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our incredible live stream at jmtheam.org to their millions of readers around the world. If you want to uh, print out thousands of articles about every topic you could ever imagine having to do with the Jewish world, uh, before Shabbos, go to jewishworldreview.com and start the process. You'll be glad you did. Also, a big thank you to onlysimchas.com, now using so much of our content for their news feed, in addition to all the great smachot, the engagements, the weddings, the bar mitzvahs, etc. They've got an amazing news feed that's making quite an impact out there, so check out onlysimchas.com today. Malcolm Honline is traveling. Where? Well, he'll reveal that in a moment. He is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us on a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's good to be with you, but I'm not sure where I am either. It's my <laughs> third country in three days, you know, and you get a little confused. So where'd the trip start? In Israel, and then it went to Cyprus, and now we're in Greece. Uh, rem- and it's the beginning of a tripartite effort. We have the leaders of the Greek-American community and some Jewish leaders, and there's going to be a summit at the end of the month of the prime ministers and presidents of the three countries 
who are going to begin and launch what we hope will be an Eastern Mediterranean coalition or more, but uh, they will serve each other in many areas, tourism, economics, energy, security, intelligence cooperation. It's already ongoing, and it will intensify even more, and then other countries hopefully will join it. And it could be a, a truly revolutionary change. It will take a long time, and it will be evolutionary in that sense, but the impact could be very significant. Uh, can you describe that just in further detail for those of us who um, you know, find it difficult sometimes to keep track of these things? What would be the historical part or the, you know, the really revolutionary part of this type of arrangement? Because this would take the focus off of Europe as the dictating power in the Middle East. The Middle East was called that because it was relative to Europe. Right. And the European powers had come into the, to the area, carved it up, uh, dictated the, the, uh, the borders. And, in fact, we see the collapse of that system. You also have the competing powers of uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran. You have Turkey versus Iran. You have Sunni versus Shiite. You have so many uh, conflicts in countries that are unstable with borders disappearing uh, and uh, with no prospect, really, of, of seeing any kind of change in the near term. Here you have countries that are stable democracies, both Cyprus and Greece and Israel, that could be joined by, let's say, Egypt, perhaps Tunisia, Morocco, Spain, Italy, all Mediterranean powers, uh, countries, uh, Malta, um, maybe one day Turkey, and they would uh, be able to work together promoting tourism, uh, joint tourism, to promote uh, economic exchanges, work on harvest, agricultural stuff, uh, water reclamation. Israel has so much to offer these countries, and it will give them a sense of independence and uh, to be able to rely on each other. Uh, and, and as you see the crises in the Mediterranean region with the influx of, of the migrants and uh, ISIS presence, uh, other terrorist organizations, or Al-Qaeda, uh, having countries that like these that can share their experiences. As you remember, when the fire took place in Israel on Mount Carmel, uh, it was Greece that sent the firefighting, and the first country there was Cyprus with uh, equipment uh, that Israel didn't have, like the planes that could dump large amounts of water. You just, so I, I'm sorry. You, yeah, you described Greece, though, you just did, as a strong democracy, again, to the average person, because what we've read and know about its economy and how it's always painted as a country that's, quote-unquote, ready to fall apart. Uh, is it, in fact, as strong as you're describing? Democracy and economic viability are not the same thing, but I do think that the potential exists, and they have uh, improved somewhat, but they're far from uh, being out of the woods uh, in terms of the economic burdens that they carry. Um, some of it accumulated over many years, and the current government is one that is has taken some uh, draconian measures and will take more. Uh, I do think it can stabilize. But it's certainly democratic, and I have to say, a country that for a while was uh, considered unfriendly to Israel, you cannot imagine how effusive the response is to Israel. And by the way, Israelis about Greece and, and Cyprus as well. Yeah, and uh, just, just just to review, for those of us who don't remember how it works <laughs> ge geopolitically, Greece and Cyprus are, are what? Are, are associated, are basically one country? What are they? No, they're separate countries. Both are members of the EU, by the way. Greece was one of the few countries in the EU, perhaps the only one that re rejected the labeling of products from the uh, territories. 
and um, and both Cyprus and uh, Greece have taken positive stance. We want to see them do more at the UN and other places, but uh, but generally very positive. Cyprus is a forty minus forty five minute flight from. Tel Aviv, and the oil finds are adjacent to those of Israel, the gas finds. So there is a, a natural linkage, and if they're going to construct, let's say, uh, LNG facilities to liquefy the gas in order to ship it efficiently, have, doing it collectively and working with Egypt, let's say, as, a, as a, both to use their facilities for that and as a market, it's just unlimited opportunities. And then Greece is another hour and a half or so from from Cyprus uh, to Athens. So you're talking about very short distances and uh, many common interests, and hopefully this can flower. And you alluded to it, and we keep reading about the refugee crisis and how Greece is one of the most affected countries. Is that correct? Absolutely, because they come through here. This is, you know, that it's it's 300 miles from Libya to to the coast here. It's about 180 miles to Crete, the island of Crete, which is part of, of Greece. So it's uh, you know it's a natural transition point, and the Europeans uh, criticize them uh, for the flow of, my, of migrants. Yet you see how Sweden, which is so quick to condemn Israel and whose foreign minister has said so many outrageous things, and I hope people uh, will let them know and, and demonstrate it in whatever way they feel is appropriate to let the Swedes know how they, we feel about this constant and harangue of against Israel and calls for boycotts call for uh, punishment of Israel when when they they closed the bridge between Denmark and Sweden because they want to check them and they want to limit the number of immigrants too but they're very quick to criticize others and uh, rather than looking inside at the growth of anti-semitism and racism in the country that that has reached uh, really alarming proportions along with rape and crime um, I always ask you this when you travel. Can you describe the Jewish community in Cyprus, if there is any, and is there a strong Jewish community in Greece? There isn't really a, a native Jewish community in Cyprus. There's a Chabad Rav, and there is uh, in, in Larnaca, and, um, uh, but there's really not a Jewish community per se. In Greece, there are about 5,000 Jews. As you know, this was once a much larger and thriving community, especially in uh, Thessalonica, or Salonica as we call it. In fact, it was such an important community that the ports would close on Shabbos because the majority of the stevedores were, were from, were Jews. And um, the Nazis came in and eradicated about 90% of the community. And it is a diminishing community. They went through periods of, of more blatant anti-Semitism, the rise of Golden Dawn just a couple of years ago. And, and when this current government, which was seen as more leftist, took over, many people were concerned that they would be anti-Israel as opposed to the right-leaning government that preceded it that was very pro-Israel, as opposed to the pre prior governments who were not pro-Israel. Um, and, in fact, that is not the case, that they have... Uh, expanded, in fact, the relationships with Israel significantly, and uh, the Jewish community here, while under tremendous pressure, the, this, there's a day school, but it's it's economically very stressed, and there isn't money. I mean, people are in difficult economic straits, um, but you see the cars, the traffic is very heavy, there are beautiful facilities here, and uh, it's like many other countries that are have been impacted by the economic crisis of the last years. Your Shabbos plans are all set? All set. The community is hosting us tonight and the rabbi tomorrow, and we will um, 
be speaking with them, and the leaders of the communities from outside of Athens are coming here for Shabbos to meet with us. Are they going to speak to you about uh, outside sources helping to fund Jewish schools and causes in Greece? They have uh, frequently done so. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and they have. Uh, you alluded also earlier to the fact that they also have an Al Qaeda slash ISIS problem, right? Um, I, I assume that uh, uh, just like every other <laughs> every other significant country, they have uh, uh, they have um, uh, terrorist cells that are of concern to them, right? There's no immediate uh, Al Qaeda or ISIS threat here. Um, of course, like everybody, it, it strikes everywhere and anywhere. It's struck in Jakarta, a Muslim country. But the, there, there's no, when I asked them about the, that very issue, there did not seem to be a major concern. Although, as I said, you know, ISIS is reestablishing itself in Serta, in Libya, which is along the Mediterranean coast opposite uh, Greece. And they are concerned about that, very concerned about that development. Right. I bring this up because I don't know if you heard or, or saw a text of the State of the Union address uh, by the president. But one of the things that baffled me was his uh, description. He, he says, as we focus on destroying ISIL, over-the-top claims that this is World War III just play into their hands. Masses of fighters in the back of pickup trucks, twisted souls plotting in apartments or garages. They pose an enormous danger to civilians. They have to be stopped, but they do not threaten our national existence. That's a story ISIL wants to tell. That's the kind of propaganda they want, they use to recruit. Uh, do you agree with that? I, mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with this description, frankly. And if, uh, if it helps us understand the seriousness of what ISIS is all about, why not uh, allow the media to continue to portray them this way? Well, I think that there, you, 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 we always have to be factual. We always have to be credible in what we say about dangers or issues that arise. To say it's World War III means that this is a global threat. Right. It's not saying we, you don't have to have planes flying in the, in the air. You have bombs exploding everywhere. You have, uh, whether it's South America, Africa, Asia, certainly Europe, America, South America, and see the rise of Hezbollah. And it's not ISIS alone or ISIL or IS, and it's not Al-Qaeda alone, which is resurgent in some places, including Syria and, and Sinai. But the threat of, of terrorism, global threat of, of, of Islamist terrorism, is in fact something that will require all countries who value democracy and freedom, who are concerned about the safety of their citizens, to react and to respond. And, uh, uh, and we should not diminish the threat. And I will tell you that I think for Muslims it's important that those responsible be identified because otherwise everybody gets tarnished with this blood at this brush. And Muslims are the first victims of most, in most cases of, of terrorist groups like these because they arise in Muslim countries or where Muslim populations are, are present. So I think the idea to say that, look, ISIL is not, is not the former Soviet Union with nuclear weapons it is true. It's a valid thing. But, but to, to those who say it, it's not because they're trying to exaggerate it. If, if that's the case, then why mention it at all? Right. The point is that, that we mention it because people have to be aware of it, and people have to look at the totality of, of the threats posed. ISIL for Israel is not the greater danger. It's Hezbollah. And when I met this week with the defense minister and prime minister in Israel, you know, they, they talked about Hezbollah as the great danger. ISIL can kill people like, like the PA. 
uh, like the um, terrorists in, in who are striking now and then with the knives and stuff. But they can't destroy Israel. Hezbollah has 100,000 missiles. That can destroy a lot of Israel. It could pose a threat. They can't. Nobody today, I think, can wipe Israel off the map, including Iran. They can do a lot of damage, but I think Israel has the capability, et cetera. So we have to put things into, into the right context each time. Uh, but when we look at, 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 you know, the developments in the world today and you see, um, uh, Al-Qaeda saying that they're going to hit Rome and Madrid and Naples and uh, other targets that the, uh, and, and uh, the PA talks about car rammings and knifing and encouraging people and still gets, gets back into the excitement business and nobody has, uh, has a bad word. You see Saudi Arabia now with Iran squaring off, which could give rise to all sorts of consequences and where they all have proxy groups that they can invoke to in in this kind of circumstance so we have to face a reality of a world in turmoil and identify those who are responsible whether they are terrorists or whether they're state sponsored terrorists or states that are involved and when we see uh, hatred and bigotry like in france you know today is keep day in france right. where people were encouraged to wear kippot because of the murder of mr goslan and and the attacks on, on Jewish boys because they were wearing amicas, and there's a debate of rabbis whether they should or they shouldn't. The result is that 7,000 Jews left France, and they had the biggest immigration from Western Europe in Israel's history. People are voting with their feet. They're telling you what the reality is uh, on the ground with, with the murders and assaults, and not because the French government is indifferent to it, but I'm not sure that they're capable of, of changing. They put 10,000 soldiers in, into Paris and stuff. So... We have, uh, you know, on so many levels, uh, really disturbing developments, and, and we have to be honest about them. You don't sugarcoat them, because it's only when we clearly understand the dangers and are willing to stand up to them and act against them, and America in the, must be in the lead on this, because the absence of America, the vacuum, is being filled by others, like Putin, like uh, many others, or where the situations turn into, into turmoil. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Holmline is with us, weekly update. He's the uh, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, speaking to us from Greece as he's getting ready for Shabbos uh, in Greece with the delegation that he described. Um, so you met with the defense minister. That must have been, uh, <laughs> the, I don't know. It sounds to me like your, your tone has, I, I shouldn't say changed because I don't know if you've expressed it, uh, in any which way beforehand, but it sounds like you're more optimistic when you say that nobody could wipe Israel off the map right now. And I, and I'm sure there are a lot of people in all seriousness who are very glad to hear that out there because sometimes we give the impression that it's not exactly like that. Well, I've said this for a long time, including on the show, that, that right now, with Egypt not only neutralized, but working cooperatively with Israel, and, and often in remarkable ways, with uh, Syria disintegrated, with uh, Iraq in, in also in turmoil, uh, the danger is Iran. Right. And it remains Iran. And, it, and Iran, we run the risk of seeing Iran come to Israel on three sides, Hezbollah, Hamas, 
trying to get up on the Golan, the IRGC, but, you know, they're competing against al-Nusra and al-Qaeda and ISIS and everybody else who's along the Golan border. Uh, and it's in fact al-Nusra goes, fights against ISIS and, and getting to, and the IRGC getting close to it. And you remember when they killed the Iranian general and they was there with the Iran Revolutionary Guard and Hezbollah and the Syrian army um, personnel. The, um, and then the fourth border, of course, is Jordan, which is a great concern to Israel to stabilize it and to keep it uh, with the millions of refugees from Syria, in addition to the two-thirds of the Palestinian, of the population being Palestinian. And the possibility that if, if uh, Iran is able to successfully, let's say, overthrow the regime, and that would put them right in the heartland, in striking distance of the heartland of Israel. But that is not the case. And uh, thank God that Egypt has done a lot to counter both in Gaza and the Sinai. They haven't been victorious yet, but they, they've, it makes a big difference that you have an ally with whom you can work on that, uh, on that front. Uh, so... There is no power that right now, there's no constellation that is likely with Saudi Arabia and UAE and others being more favorable or inclined, let's say, towards Israel, that its situation in that regard is better than it perhaps was in a long time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you mentioned defense minister. I don't know if this is under the jurisdiction of the defense minister, but... Uh, and you also alluded to the random stabbings and the you know terror attacks by the PA incitement, etc., uh, I hate to keep asking you this question because it seems like nobody has an answer, but you did meet with the defense minister. Is there anything different regarding how Israel's approaching these random stabbings? We know there were more attacks this week. Uh, anything encouraging that was said in that meeting? Yes, Israel took delivery of a German submarine, which will give it a long-range striking distance, but it's not going to help against the people carrying out knife attacks, but it is good news. Right. The... Look, this is a different kind of of war when you have uh, individuals not organized, maybe inspired on the Internet, but essentially not organized uh, uh, in a whack-a-mole fashion, rising to to attack, and then you see that the response is different in that the the order is kill before you're killed, not to do it wantonly, not to do it irresponsibly, Many more killed than are usually done when when such incidents take took place, and many of them are are, are amateurs. They're not professionals. They're not trained to to you know really carry out attacks. Nonetheless, they've hurt a lot of people. Two dozen or so have been killed uh, in 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 the, all of the attacks or uh, less. And and it's a matter that that strikes at the heart of the sense of security of people, which is very debilitating. So. They are, and they, and they do feel that they are getting a better handle on it. Their intelligence is better. They have the, destroyed some of the houses, which sends a very important message, although now we understand that the PA is giving them money to rebuild them right away, and it may be money coming from Iran, or uh, we'd have to do some more research yet before we're sure which um, which actual place it, it's coming from. What do you think of the Iran release of the U.S. sailors? I think that the seizure was outrageous. I think that the the uh, putting out the the video, and if you look at some of the, the Iranian papers over the last two days, you see that they they have them the pictures of the sailors kneeling, and then uh, saying that they were sorry for what they did, et cetera. 
Uh, it appears that the boats were not incapacitated or because otherwise it couldn't have sailed out as they did. I think there's a lot more information that has to come forward on it. But, again, you know, I don't know. The fact is diplomacy released the guys, but what is the great victory here? What is it somebody we're giving going to give tens and tens of billions of dollars to, perhaps tomorrow, perhaps today? And, and you know, we're touting it as if it was some humanitarian gesture on their part. They shot missiles against uh, rockets over our, our aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf. They, they launched missiles. They still have not been sanctioned for that. And, and I'm worried about what is the signal and what is the message in the region where, as some people portrayed it, you know, it's humiliating and, and embarrassing to the United States that, that, you know, we should have gone and, and found ways to demand the immediate return. And I don't think we should be thanking them for, for giving back our soldiers and sailors who they admit were clearly not on any kind of a mission to, to spy or to infiltrate the country. Without an Iran deal, would they have been released? Yes, because, uh, you know, Iran had no basis in which to hold them. They might have kept the boat like they did with the British, and you remember they kept them for a number of days. So the deal might is certainly an incentive, and it's certainly a factor. I don't know that it, it would have been determinate in this case. And, <coughs> and frankly, you know, if they had kept them, I would have hoped that the United States would have taken really strong action. We have Americans being arrested more even since the deal was signed, and, and nothing is, seems to be being done, certainly not overtly, to get them out. You didn't watch any of the debate when you were in Greece, did you? No, I did not. What do you, what do you think of this? <laughs> what do you think? What do you, <laughs> I see debates all the time. I don't need to watch it. What do you, th- what do you think of <laughs> this interesting turn of events that Hillary Clinton is now in a real race with the, with the caucus and primary you know, the first one's just two weeks away. So I think this year you taught everybody that nothing is predictable in American politics. It's it's a reflection of many things. I don't know what the long-term uh, consequence when you get out to other parts of the country beyond Iowa and New Hampshire. We'll have to see how it plays out and how the Republicans, how much damage they're doing by their attacks on one another and whether this will, whoever ultimately wins, will, have come, will come into this so bruised that the uh, you know, they'll have a hard time winning. So I think people have to remember that it's a long time till the election. It's 11 months. It's, it's a lifetime in politics. So many things can happen. And, uh, you know, there are always revelations in the, the, the emails. I think those things raise the trust issue. Um, but, uh, I mean, I don't see in the long run that, that I think her support in some other states is going to be much stronger. But I think everything is... Up for grabs this year. Not that Sanders is likely to be a, a final candidate, uh, just as uh, people say that Trump won't can't be in the Republican Party, but he still remains. You never know. You never know. And and look at look what some of the things this week we saw the revelations about Pickering, Ambassador Pickering sending the the recommendation to then Secretary Clinton about. Uh, engaging the NGOs, non-governmental organizations, to undermine essentially the government of Israel to to organize protests and to have women, Palestinian women, others, but may, but Palestinian women leading the demonstrations. And he says actually only women because they won't engage in force. If you put men, their culture is that they will engage in in physical acts. Uh, and uh, I mean, it wasn't rejected outright. And you saw Martin Indyk's outrageous comments about uh, what 
what uh, Netanyahu was supposed to have said about Rabin, and it turns out they weren't sitting near each other. Then he said it was at another occasion um, that you have uh, two former ambassadors to Israel coming out, with, and a, a veteran U.S. diplomats. Uh, Pickering served in you know all over the United Nations, Israel, uh, Jordan, Russia. Uh, to me, these are this is a disturbing, um, very disturbing, uh, to see this kind of thing, and and, and that undermines or uh, the perception of the relationship between the United States, and sometimes why tensions arise if these are the kind of things that are being said uh, amongst those who who are not no longer, but were or certainly tangentially involved. What about the uh, the effort by some to have Israel removed from the Olympics? And I'm talking about effort by some in Israel. Okay, I don't think it's serious. I think Israel should be, uh, it wants to be normalized as a nation in the world and should be participating wherever it can. There are enough places that want to ban Israel. I think it's ridiculous to say that, that they should not, uh, uh, should, should not participate in, in this international gathering, which becomes a, a platform. Look, they almost, they want some metal last time, I think, in sailing. Uh, yeah, but some my, form of my, sailing. my point is it's amazing what we ourselves do on the, on the international scene to, you know, to, to put down our own state. That, that, exactly. And that's too much. And people have to be much more careful what they say, how they say it. Um, you know, we have real dangers, we, and there are real opportunities. You know, the House this week passed by 191 to 106, the Iran Terror Financing Transparency Act, which will give them more oversight and bars, uh, you know, the prompt removal of institutions or people uh, from the Treasury list uh, who are sanctioned unless the president certifies. He may veto it, but we have to be supportive and thank the people who do it, and to, um, and you know, the Supreme Court is taking up a case of the two billion dollar judgment against Iran from the victims of terror, including the families of the 83 Marines who were killed in Lebanon, and they are moving to to reverse the lower court judgment of the two billion dollars against Iran. Uh, so. There are a lot of things that people should be focused on that can be constructive that need us and not, you know, nitpick and start and and the, the rush to criticism. I mean, the pieces that we've seen published by people, you know, saying American Jews are leaving Israel, they're abandoning Israel. I don't see them doing it. Is there a diminution of interest amongst young people? Yes. Has there always been? Generally, yes. In a time of crisis, will they stand with Israel? I believe yes. We have to do more to educate them. We have to do more to educate certain segments of the population. But frankly, yeshivas have to do a lot better. Day schools have to do a lot better. And we have to help those who do not get a Jewish education learn more and not wait till they're on campus to to uh, worry about um, you know about their attitudes when they fall victim to the BDS campaigns. And you saw the Methodist Church this week backlisted yeah. five banks because who who they say we're supporting housing construction in the territories right which we would consider a victory for the bds movement obviously well it is because the methodist church is is an important church and they will come up as another vote later on and we will continue to fight it. on the other hand there is now these faculty groups and they've had many successes uh in in stopping other votes and the american historical society association was a critical one uh, i think it sent a very important message uh about uh, that uh, BDS will not be accepted and that, uh, you know, the radicals who, who are supporting it, uh, the Students for Justice and 
Palestine and their cohorts. And that's why, you know, in part, some of the concern about, um, you know, Netanyahu's came out this week for the legislation, the NGO legislation in Israel, which has been divisive and has uh, sparked a lot of debate. But the question is, what do you do when foreign governments, when Europeans are pouring money into these campaigns, into BDS, into groups supporting BDS, into groups that are, are undermining uh, a government, the government policy? We don't allow them to do it here. We don't allow people to, foreign governments, as far as I know, to, to give money to campaigns. Israel should be able to bar it. They should be barred from the political process. And that NGOs in this law are being asked to disclose it. It doesn't bar it. I think that there are concerns. I know that that people have raised legitimate legal concerns, and I hope they will be addressed. But when you see the manifestations of this and how uh, foreign money and and even government money, including Swedish money, is going to pay for some of the the most critical and, and unjustified activities, not the legitimate criticism where people have a difference over policy. Couple of things. Malcolm Homeline live in in Greece. A uh, couple a uh, couple more things. Uh, Turkey after the Istanbul bombing, did they have a victory against ISIS in terms of their military response? Well, it's not a victory because uh, ISIS was able to pull it off. And you know, initially they blamed the Kurds and blamed others, but it turns out that it was IS. IS was sending a message to Turkey. It won't be the last one, uh, as you may not uh, know, but. Uh, Turkey has sealed off a good part of the country, the eastern sector, and they're engaged in essentially a civil war against the Kurds. And there's very heavy bombing and fighting in some areas, I'm told. Um, Turkey is, um, uh, uh, you know, it has has uh, tried to seal its border a little bit and cut back, but, uh, you know, when, when uh, the EU is giving them $3 billion to deal with the flow of refugees to to accommodate them in Turkey, and we find out that, in fact, they're sending them back into Syria, which is a war crime. And uh, Turkey is uh, moving to build a base in Qatar now. So they're trying to extend their influence. This is the neo-Ottomism that we've talked about, that they want to recreate the Ottoman Empire, just as uh, Khamenei wants to recreate the Persian Empire. And they're building base in, in, in to extend their influence in the Gulf in uh, Qatar, as is France and Britain. Uh, you see the, what the real aspiration of, of Erdogan is. And uh, while we hope that relations with Israel will improve, I think it's going to be a long-term prospect. It will be very gradual and incremental. And... Um, and our coming to Greece and, and Cyprus, by the way, had nothing to do with uh, Turkey. Was uh, it was an idea planned uh, many months ago, and it's the second time that we've had these joint groups here in, in the last four or five years. That the uh, you know there should be room enough for good relations with all of the countries, but Turkey you know continues to raise really serious questions both about what they're doing domestically, arresting journalists and others, and I think that the Jewish community is very tenuous now. And finally, was this a significant week in the relationship between Israel and India? It is, and it will be even more so, uh, because there are going to be some very important visits. Trade with India is increasing rapidly, and uh, the India-Israel relationship uh, also manifests in the fact that the Menei Menashe have come, the Jews from uh, from India in large numbers are, are coming back. Um, I mean, there's thousands, not tens of thousands, like the Ethiopians, but thousands. And um, and and Israel 
is looking now to the east. Uh, Japan is improving relations. China has a great deal of trade uh, going on with Israel. So these are uh, very significant economically, but also politically, and open up uh, new horizons for Israel. As I said before, to build the broadest coalition, to so let it stretch from the Indian Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, uh, it will be even greater, and Israel will become, you know, the dominant power. Not, but Israel will have a lot, at least a lot of friends, and and I think that this is the right time for these kind of moves. Not against anybody else, but as a positive assertion, and they can help each other. Israel's water technology, uh, post-harvest reclamation, so many areas that these countries need. In India, which has to feed, you know, will, will bypass China. By the way, it's estimated in population because wow. its growth is much faster. Um, these are technologies they need, and I think it. And Modi certainly has proven his his uh, very pro-Israel uh, inclinations. So, not to be dismissed. Very important uh, development. Uh, great analysis. Enjoy Shabbat in Greece, and Bezrat Hashem will speak again next week. I would I would sing Zorba's song, but I don't know it. But oh. <laughs> thank you, and have a good job. Should have practiced. Uh, Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us. Fridays with a weekly update here at JM and the AM. Within minutes, the weekly update will be available to you in the NSN app, uh, in both, um, in the archive form, uh, in its entirety. So if you missed any of the conversation, check out the NSN app. Gives you a great opportunity to have the entire, uh, dialogue, um, uh, in just minutes from now, uh, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Uh, lots of great programming coming up. Table for Two with Naomi Nachman starts at 9 a.m. featuring Ari White of Wandering Q and Shlomo Blaska from Royal Wines. I'll be discussing barbecue and bourbon pairing. And joining the program will be uh, Yitti Adler-Densinger, CEO of FYI Magazine. That's all happening between 9 and 10 with Naomi Nachman. Table for Two right here at jmam.org and on the NSN app. And keep in mind for JM Sunday that Matis is going to have a special guest, an interview with Robertson Chana Bracha Siegelbaum author of The Seven Fruits of the Land of Israel with their mystical and medicinal properties. And, of course, great music or by Goldwasser and more. That's all happening, and news from Israel. That's all happening during JM Sunday between 7 and 9 Eastern Time, Sunday morning with Matis every single Sunday on jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Bo. Wow. With Parshas Bo, we are off and running. If I can use that expression in terms of mitzvot. Heretofore, we've had three mitzvot found in the book of Bereshis. Now, as the very first Rashi of the Torah says, really, the Torah as our constitution should have begun with chapter 12 in this week's parasha of HaChodesh HaZelachem, the laws of the Jewish calendar, as this is the first mitzvah that was given to the Jewish people as a nation in Egypt. You have in this week's parasha many of the laws regarding Pesach, both in conjunction with 
Pesach Mitzrayim, those laws which were a a teaching for the moment, such as putting the blood on the doorpost and on the lentil in Egypt. That's not one of the 613 mitzvahs, because by definition, to be a mitzvah, a mitzvah has to be ledoros for all times. That was done once in Jewish history. Um, you have the mitzvah of eating matzah, which is for all generations. And you have the mitzvah of the prohibition of not to have chametz A in your possession, not to eat chametz, the mitzvah of vigadatul the bincha, of namely transmitting annually on the night of the Pesach Seder, the story and the heritage of Itzias Mitzrayim. I'd like to focus on a very interesting observation that Rashi makes, quoting the Mechilta, on a Pasuk, which is found literally, the last Pasuk in the fifth Aliyah. This is chapter 12, Pasuk 28. After Moshe has given to the Jewish people all the particulars regarding what is going to happen on Erev Pesach, on the 14th, they will take the Korban Pesach, they will designate it four days earlier, starting on the 10th, they will slaughter it, and it's going to be eaten with groups, and specifically, that this is going to be, please God, perpetuated and telling of the story, as well as the Korban Pesach, into Eretz Yisrael, then the Torah tells us, Vayelchu Vayasu B'nei Yisrael. It, literally, the Jewish people went and did as Hashem had commanded Moshe and Aaron, so did the Jewish people do it. Rashi, on the spot, come on, did they, in reality, actually do as Moshe and Aaron said? All this was being told to them on the first of Nisan, on Rosh Chodesh. How can the Torah say, Vayechu Vayasu? They had not yet done it. And Rashi therefore gives a, such a powerful answer. He says, El Mikivan, since Shekiblu Aleihem, once they had accepted this upon themselves, Ma'ale Aleihem HaKosuv, the Torah looks upon it, God viewed it, Ke'ilu Asu, as if they had already done it. Once they had made a positive Kabbalah, once they had made the commitment, the obligation to do it, God looked upon it as if it was already done. Now, I believe, as you will see, this will help us understand a very challenging Mishnah found at the end of 
the third Perek of Pirkei Avos. I'll be honored if you bring a Pirkei Avos to the table in chapter 3, Mishnah 22, Huwaya Omer. This is Rabbi Lezben Azariah, as we're told in Mishnah 21. And Rabbi Lezben Azariah teaches, Anyone whose wisdom, his knowledge, exceeds his good deeds to what may be compared to a tree whose branches are numerous, but whose roots are few, and as a result, the wind comes, uproots it, turns it upside down. However, However, one whose good deeds exceed his wisdom, to what is he compared to a tree whose branches are few, but whose roots are very numerous, and therefore even if all the winds in the world were to come and blow against it, they could not budge it from its place. The obvious question is, how does it happen? How can a person have ma'asav? His actions are more plentiful than his wisdom, his knowledge. And I call your attention to the commentary of Rabbeinu Yonah on Avos. And he says this in that same chapter, but not on Mishnah 22 but rather on Mishnah 9. And there he basically elaborates on the Mechilta, on the Rashi that we started with, and basically says that when an individual will take upon himself to do certain actions, even if he does not yet have the wisdom to know how, how to do those actions, it becomes ma'asav merubin. His actions become more numerous than his knowledge because it's looked upon by God as if he already did it. And the condition that this Kabbalah, that this acceptance and commitment has to be, and I quote from the Rabbeinu Yonah, four very powerful words, Levav Shalem a complete and true, honest heart, and true desire. We're talking about somebody who is genuine. Now let's take a step back and ask ourselves, why is it that more often than not, people are afraid to take a Kabbalah? to take an acceptance upon themselves, to obligate themselves. Because more often than not, people would rather be in a situation where they are in control. If I want to do it, I'll do it. If I don't want to do it, I won't do it. As opposed to a Kabbalah, an acceptance, it's no longer voluntary. I must do it. It has to be done. And that is based upon the famous teaching of the Talmud that says, Godol HaMetsuva V'yoseh, 
greater is the reward of the one who is obligated to do it than one who is simply volunteering to do it. And therefore, that is the essence of Kabbalah, of a person obligating himself. True, as a result of this, they are demonstrating true avdus, to become a true servant of God. This past Monday, on Rosh Chodesh, we began the Hallel with Hallelujah Avdei Hashem. Give praise the servants of Hashem. And who is the servant of Hashem? One who is obligated to do it. We understand that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the Borei, He's the Creator, He's the Manhig, He's the one who literally directs history and all which is going on about ourselves. And therefore, the Kabbalah undermines the concept that we can opt out. There is no opting out. Perhaps you can explain this idea in the following way. And that is that Hashem, if you think about it, doesn't need the actual performance of the mitzvah. Who needs the performance of the mitzvah? We do. Man does. As you look in the Sefer HaChinuch, in number 16, on the mitzvah of not to break a bone of the Korban Pesach, and he says to his son, to whom he writes and dedicates the book, don't ask the question why there are so many mitzvos related to Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim, that we should remember the exodus from Egypt, because he says that famous line, the more you do after one's actions, do our heart and character formed. And so man needs the actual performance of the mitzvah. What HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs is another understanding of the word mitzvah. Mitzvah doesn't only mean a commandment, but like the word savsa in Aramaic, means lechaber, to combine. A person becomes one with God through the commitment already. Rachmona libaboy. He wants our heart. He wants our commitment. So certainly we need both. The commitment and the actualization thereof. But from the moment that we make this commitment, this Kabbalah, it is looked upon on high as if we actually performed it, which is an incredible gift that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. To give a strong historical substantiation to this idea of a person's actions greater than his wisdom, the Chosid Yavitz, who wrote a commentary on Ovos, who lived at the time of the Spanish Inquisition, writes in his book, 
Orachayim in chapter 2 that you should know, he says, that at the time of the Inquisition, and we're judging nobody, but the historical fact was that those individuals who prided themselves in their Chachma, the philosophers among the Jewish people, unfortunately the majority of them, Hemiru Esquodam Biyom Mar. They unfortunately went along and became Moranos. However, the Anoshim Ameo Oretz, the what you would call the simple, but I don't use that in any derogatory way, just the opposite. It was the Stam Jews, they were the ones who gave over their lives, their fortune on Kiddush Hashem. They were the ones who had their Ma'asim, their Kabbalah, was greater than their Chachma. I believe that this Rashi calls upon us for a very important act. Each and every one of us should make a Kabbalah. And these Kabbalahs don't have to be big and extensive, just the opposite. As the Navi Yirmiyahu says in chapter 31, Shamoa Shamati Ephraim misnodeid. I hear Ephraim literally taking baby steps. I ask everyone to try their best. Instead of benching by heart, bench from a bencher the first paragraph. Yes, you know me already. Once you're going to do it properly from the first paragraph from the bencher, I hope you'll go all the way. But there's a very big difference. I'm not ashamed to say that I know the Kiddush by heart. I recite the Kiddush out of a bencher. I believe that by so doing, you could have greater concentration for this biblical mitzvah that you recite once a week called Kiddush. Make that Kabbalah that you're not going to look at the cell phone, at your smartphone during davening, even though it's on vibrate. And during Hazar Sashatz, you're not going to take that phone out. Make that Kabbalah that you're going to call a shut-in at least once a week. Make that Kabbalah that you're going to try to walk around not in a state of being angry at people, but rather without this kapdonos, without having complaints. Your day, your temperament, your way of life is going to be improved by these little baby steps, man to man and man to God. Just as the Parsha is often running with mitzvahs, I pray each and every one of us through Al Kabbalah will be so much more, not only often running, but much happier as a result. Shabbat Shalom.
from Shlomo Katz. Friday morning broadcast. It's JM and the AM on this Erev Shabbos. Parsha's bow. Candle lighting at 4.33 on this Erev Shabbos. 4.33. Reminder, Neshe Cares and Maimonides Medical Center presents the Mothers of Multiple Support Group happening at Maimonides Hall, 950 49th Street between 9th and 10th Avenues in Brooklyn. Uh, this coming Tuesday night, starting at 8 p.m., there'll be a buffet dinner, a gift for all attendees, and free parking. It's Stacy and Nahum Siegel on the topic of everything you wanted to know about raising multiples and singles. That is how yeah, it's more Stacy Siegel than me. Uh, that's happening this coming uh, Tuesday. Mati Atlas is the con. Oh, and greetings that night by New York City Councilman David Greenfield. That'll be fun to see, David. Um, Location is Maimonides Hall. Information Mati Atlas. It's m a t t i dot atlas at yahoo dot com. M a t t i dot atlas at yahoo.com. Reminder that JNF is offering this big winter break special uh, where you can uh, literally plant the tree in Israel on Tu B'Shvat on January the 25th, which this year is Tu B'Shvat. If you're there for winter break, discover the hidden gems of the Western Galilee, witness the transformation of the Negev and see Ben-Gurion's dream come alive, visit the 9-11 memorial outside of Yerushalayim, jnf.org slash travel. Again, that's jnf.org slash travel and remember that jnf and Alal and carlton hotel have a an online raffle when you plant the tree at jnf.org starting today january the 15th uh when you plant the tree over the next 10 days between now and tubishvat you are entered into a contest to win a free two-night stay at the carlton and of course free trip uh round trip uh, ticket to israel information just go to the website uh, jnf.org again that has already begun that has already started you have your chance to uh when you purchase a tree to be a um, a winner in that uh, amazing contest with JNF for the free trip to Israel. Uh, reminder that the Bialystoker Synagogue presents Label by Moshe tomorrow night at the Orenstein Building on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Uh, that's happening tomorrow evening. So you get an opportunity to um, to come and enjoy a great night and to see... Uh, a very interesting, diverse musical repertoire. We could put it that way, I believe. Yeah, why not? So that's going to be happening with um, Label Ben Moshe. Bike for Chai 2016 has opened its registration for returning riders. Bike for Chai 2016 has opened its registration for returning riders. It happened this past Tuesday. In the first hour, they had 100 riders. An hour and a half later, 200. And uh, during the evening, 300. They are now close to 400. They are close to 400 uh, in terms of returning riders. And and uh, at noon today, at noon today, registration opens up for new riders. The ride cap, meaning the most number of riders they're going to take, is going to range between 450 and 475. So anybody who wants to participate, you got to go to the Bike for Chai website, Bike for Chai. That's number four, bikeforchai.com. And uh, you can uh, get an idea of who's already signed up. But in addition to that, if you want to be a new rider and participate, and we know how incredibly successful that event is, we have been eyewitnesses and we have been the eyes and ears for many people, especially this past summer at the Bike for Chai events, um, both on the day that the race began and the day that the race ended. 
So if you want any of that, you make sure to, um, as a new rider, you make sure to get to the website today and participate by registering. Hey, want to wish a happy and healthy birthday to Rochelle Brodsky of Elizabeth, New Jersey. Comes from uh, Miriam and Phil Schiffman. Happy birthday, Rochelle Brodsky, Elizabeth, New Jersey, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Don't forget JM Sunday with Matis. This coming Sunday, he's got um, a special guest in addition to the news from Israel and <clears throat> excuse me, and all the wonderful things that Matis presents every single Sunday live between 7 and 9 a.m. He has a, a conversation with Rebetzin Chana Bracha Siegelbaum, author of The Seven Fruits of the Land of Israel with their mystical and medicinal properties. Plus, as I said, the great music, the great Torah, news from Israel, etc. Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami featuring great music and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler in the Torah portion of the week. That's tomorrow evening starting at 9 p.m. And, of course, the Arab Shabbos music mix brought to you by Kedem comes right after Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, which follows JM in the AM. The video should be up on the homepage very soon. Uh, today, Ari White of Wandering Q and Shlomo Blaska from Royal Wines discussing barbecue and bourbon pairing. Also joining the program will be Yitti Adler Densinger, the CEO of FYI Magazine. That is all happening between 9 and 10. Naomi Nachman and the... Um, table for two program and um, that's going to be happening right after jmnam on jmnam.org and on the nsn app leviathan is next this is jm in the am
Shame and AM with Leviathan, Friday morning broadcast on this Arab Shabbos Parsha's bow, candlelighting at 4.33. Monday, we're back. Monday, a legal holiday. We'll be on between 6 and 9 a.m. Make sure to join us. Fresh report from uh, Elliot Weiselberg, court report. Full half hour at 7 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday on the stream at jmnam.org. That is his his visit into the Yeshiva League for a half hour each week. Happens Sunday night in advance of our Yeshiva League sports update on Tuesday mornings here at JM in the AM. 35 degrees with cloudy skies and a high temperature of 50. Looks like rain for tonight for your uh, Shabbos Eve with a low temperature of 42. Tomorrow we've got morning showers and a high temperature of 49 degrees. It is time to say good Shabbos. Journeys is on. This is JM in the AM.
Sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Wraps up another great week for us here at JM and the AM. Big thank you to everybody out there for tuning in. Table for two. Naomi Nachman is next. JMNAM.org. And, of course, on the NSN app with all of her special guests. Kedem presentation of the uh, Arab Shabbos music mix coming your way starting at 10 a.m. until candlelighting time. Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. Matis with JM Sunday and the special interview he'll be doing this coming Sunday morning between 7 and 9. Make sure to be tuned in. And we are back starting on Monday morning at 6 a.m. Have a wonderful Shabbos, a great weekend. Till next week, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.